0: I read a pastor this week, and here's what he said about Jesus' life of prayer. Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray. He healed people with prayers. He denounced the corruption of the temple in Jerusalem worship because it was his father's house of prayer. He insisted that some demons could not be cast out unless you prayed. He often prayed regularly with fervent cries and tears according to Hebrews 5, 7. And sometimes Jesus prayed all night. The Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him for ministry as he was praying, Luke 3, 21 and 22. He was transfigured with the divine glory of heaven as he prayed, Luke 9, 29. When he faced the greatest crisis of his life, he was on his knees three times praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when we hear him praying for his disciples in the future church, he, he's praying on the night before he died. In fact, the pastor says, Jesus finally dies on the cross praying. In other words, from the beginning to the end of his life, here's what marked Jesus he prayed. He prayed. He prayed when things were good, and he prayed when things were really, really bad. And he prayed when he was ministering, when he was serving, when he was with people, when he was by himself. I mean, you can't almost think of any situation in his life that Jesus didn't pray. He was dependent on prayer. Let me show you the the point I want to get across tonight. Jesus had a dependence on prayer because Jesus had a dependence on God. Let me say it again. Jesus had a dependence on prayer because he had a dependence on God. I have been asked by so many people over the years of my ministry, Pastor Walker, you know, I just don't pray as often as I should or as much as I should. And I don't find my prayer life to be satisfying. I'm not sure that it's amounting to anything. What is wrong? And, and so we talk about it. And they'll have a lot of reasons. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I, 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 most of them are excuses. <laughs> I don't have the time. I don't know how to say it. I, I'm not sure if it affects it or, or, or really has any power in it. Does it really change anything? And, and I could go on and on and on about people and the reasons they come up with and the things they say about why they don't pray and why they're not dependent on it. But let me tell you this. I, I, let me tell you the bottom line. And I think this is what is different from Jesus to, and most people. The difference between him and most people is that he, listen, he had a life of prayer because he had a life of dependence. He had a life of prayer because he had a life of dependence. Your life of prayer with God will be determined by your life of dependence on God. Do you hear that? Your life of prayer with God will be determined by your life of dependence on God. Let me say it to you in a little formulatic way: little dependence, little prayer. Much dependence, much prayer. Now, to say all that, I have to say this on the other side of the coin, unfortunately, that as Americans, we are not, not good at dependence. Not at all. Are we not the country that was founded on the Declaration of Independence? I mean, isn't that part and parcel of the DNA of what it means to be an American citizen. We are independent. We are. It's part of our DNA. But can I tell you from Scripture, and in particularly the life of Jesus, it should not be part of the DNA of being a follower or a disciple of Christ. We should be opposite of that. We should be people who are dependent on God. And by that, I mean all the time. Now, in America, and some of it's good. It's not all bad. We raise our children from the earliest ages, right? We want them to learn to grow up and be able to do some things for themselves, right? They got to go to the, you know, who was I talking to? Learn to go to the, uh, was it Amari? Uh, I'm sorry if I'm, this is too graphic, but he, he's learning to go to the bathroom, right? And he's being taught to do it on his own. And it's good to be dependent, right? You should be. There's a lot of things you should be able to do on your own, right? And so you grow up and, and eventually people start saying, you know, I don't need any help. Don't, don't, you don't need to help me. I can do it on my own, right? I'm And our kids, your teenagers will say this, mom, I'm old enough to do it myself. I don't need you to drive me. I have a license. And and they say all the time, right? So kids grow up, and we we want them to, right? I mean, we want them to stay at home, and we want them to be, you know, but eventually they grow up, they mature, become adults, and they learn to be self-sufficient. They learn to do things on their own. So from an early age in America, We're taught that you can make it on your own. You have the skills, you have the abilities, you have the intellect, and we get degrees, and we get this, and we climb the ladder, because we want to appear to people that we don't have any weaknesses, that we can stand on our own, and we can be independent. But then you come to texts like the one I had you turn to. In John 15, verse 5, we're going to look at more than that, but I just want to start there. Jesus makes this statement that blows all of that independence out of the water. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he that bears much fruit. Listen to this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That verse has changed a lot of my prayers. I often, if not every Sunday, pray Lord, I don't want this to be a nothing service. I don't want this, I pray now, I don't want this to be a nothing sermon. And by nothing, I mean I don't want it to accomplish nothing. But more than that, behind that, I don't want it to be nothing because I don't want you to be absent. I don't want this to be a service that's apart from you. I don't want my sermon to be apart from you. I don't want to do it in my own wisdom, my own strength and power. Because here's what happens if it's up to me and I act independently of God, you know what I get every time? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And, and, and I don't know about you, have you ever felt like your prayer life was a big nothing? You ever felt like your witnessing and your evangelism has turned out by and large the vast majority of your life to be nothing? There's a reason for it. And the reason is, is that we're not dependent on God. Now, let me give you an example of it, and it's, it's, the P, it's the Peter story of fishing in the Gospels, okay? And I'm going to say a few things about it, but I want you to see it in picture form in your mind. Um, if you watch the Chosen series, you're going to see this vignette, and you're going to be familiar with it, but it's very well Video in, in this sense but listen to Peter talk to Jesus when Jesus tells him to put the net down after he's been out all night and notice the word he says in this text or in this video put that down for a catch a little farther out uh, I don't have a quarrel with you teacher but we've been doing this all night nothing All right, that's your word. say something about that story. Um, When Jesus told him to put the net down, do you think it was a great idea? Until Jesus came that morning, how many fish had they caught after being out all night? What's the word? Nothing. Did you hear him say it? So without Jesus, how many fish had they caught? Nothing. Nothing. And when he puts the net down, and and he says, Lord, we'll do it at your word. So Jesus tells him, in fact, in the Bible, he tells him exactly where to put it down. And when he does, he catches an abundance, a multitude of great fish, it says. Now now listen, that's part of the story. And And the lesson is, without Jesus, you can't do anything. He's teaching them. But watch, that's Luke 5. That's at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he calls Peter At the end of John's gospel, this is the after Jesus has been crucified and resurrected. Guess what? There is a deja vu fish story. And they're out on the water fishing again. And Jesus comes and he's making breakfast on the shore. And they say they haven't caught anything all night again. Nothing is the exact word. Caught nothing in both Luke 5 and John 21. And Jesus tells them to put it down again. And what do they get? A multitude of fish, 153. Now, here's my point. They don't like to listen. We don't like to depend on Jesus. We don't think because we're professional fishermen that he knows better than us. We think that we can handle it. We can handle it on our own, and we can't. And here, let me tell you this. And they had to learn the lesson again. They had to relearn after Jesus died and rose again, just how much they needed him. Can I tell you, listen, tonight, you're never going to change in your prayer life. You're never going to figure out how the, what dependence on God is like until you continually learn it. Until you see in yourself that you're not as dependent on him as you think you are. We're not. You and I are not. It is a lesson according to Jesus and the way he treated his disciples, that we have to constantly learn over and over and over again. And they had to learn. They were warned one time and they had to relearn it again that without Jesus, you can't do anything. That you get a big nothing every time. Now, I want you to follow me. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn back a few pages in this gospel and the little phrase, write it down if you're taking notes, do nothing. Do nothing is a repeated phrase theme and motif in john's gospel it is used five times including the text that i read to you already i'm going to go back and show you the preceding four texts that have the little phrase do nothing in it because four out of five have to do about have to talk about jesus's dependence on god the father only one out of five have to do with our dependence on jesus but here's what we're going to find That Jesus is asking you and I to depend on him because he's going to show us because it's what he does. So remember the text, I told you the the title of this message is to pray like Jesus. The secret of Jesus' prayer life or however you want to entitle it. And you're going to find that it's dependence on God, not just for us, but for him first. All right, let's look at them one at a time. John chapter 5 and verse 19. The context is that there is a man who has been laying by the pool of Bethesda for a very long time, and he's been an invalid and cannot walk for 38 years. He is weak. And let me tell you this, and he is needy, he's dependent, and he knows it. And Jesus comes by and talking to him, the guy said, here's my problem, Jesus, I don't have anybody who can pick me up and get me into the pool in time, because there was a belief that once, you know, during this feast, that if you got in the pool first, when the spirit moved and the spirit of God was moving in the waters, that you could be the one who was healed. And he said, I never get healed any year because I can't get in the pool fast enough because there's no one to help me. He was needy. And he's dependent, but he didn't have anybody to depend on. And this is the theme of John's gospel, that there's story after story after story of people who have great needs, and the only way that they could ever get those needs settled and and accomplished is by coming to Jesus and depending on him. And this is one of those stories. And then John chapter 5, in verse 19 of John 5, it reads this. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can, there's our phrase, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only when he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So, how did Jesus have the ability to heal a man after 38 years of being an invalid? Because he was dependent on his Father. Jesus says, I can't do this on my own. Now, again, This is the Son of God. This is Jesus, equal with the Father God. And here's what he says of himself. Without God, I can't do anything. In fact, he says it. I can do nothing. I can do nothing. Same chapter, bookends. It frameworks this passage. Go down a little bit further in chapter 5 and verse 30. He wants to tell people, not only can I heal people, but some people time in the future, I'm going to judge people, so positively and negatively, and you know why I'm going to be the judge and how I judge, it's not on my own accord, he says in verse 30, I can do nothing, see there, I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge. So what he sees the Father doing, he does, what he hears the Father saying, he says, Because he gets all of his cues from God because everything Jesus does, whether he's healing someone, whether he's judging people, whether he's speaking the truth, the message he has, all aspects and every possible part of it, he gets it from God because he's completely dependent on him. And without him, he can do nothing. It's his motto. a couple pages over, John 8 and verse 28. So, Jesus said to them, and this context is in the big story framework of the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus was able to forgive her sins when everybody wanted else to stone her, and how did he have this authority? And he says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I, there it is, and I do nothing on my own authority. If I heal someone, I judge someone, I forgive someone, he says, but I speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. We're going to come back to that, Lord willing. So here we go. So here it is. I can do nothing. I don't have, not my own words, not my own judgment, not my own authority. Chapter 9 and verse 33, not spoken, this one, from Jesus' own mouth, but the man, the context of John 9, is the man who was born blind. All of these scenarios of people who have great weaknesses and depend on Jesus to change it. And the man born blind testifies to the religious leaders when they think that Jesus can't be possibly a prophet or God. And in John chapter 9 and verse 33, it says, Never, verse 32, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Look what he says. If this man were not from God, see it again? He could do nothing. In other words, the man even gets the connection. In other words, the power for for Jesus has to make my eyes see is because he's connected to God. He has a dependence on God because if he didn't have that dependence on God, you know what he'd do? Nothing. The guy even gets it. I mean, he's more of an astute theologian than the religious leaders are. So here's what we learn from the first four. That Jesus did nothing apart from his father in every possible way. He was completely dependent on God all the time. And now we get to our text, and what do we learn? It's the climax of the do-nothing motif. And here's what it is. is that just in the same way Jesus in everything was dependent on his father in everything Here's what he says now as his disciples. And so just like that is what I want you to do in your life. I want you, if you follow me, I want you to live just like me. And that means this, that every single day and every single way, I want you to be dependent on me. And Jesus says, apart from me, 15.5, you, you can do nothing See, Jesus said, apart from God, I can do nothing. And therefore, apart from me, if you're not, I'm connected to God. And if you're not connected to me, if you're not having that same dependence on me that I have on God, you will do nothing. So the question is, now that we have that basis down, what in the world does that kind of dependence look like? I'm going to give you some examples, then I'm going to give you the one Jesus gives. You have the little box of pills, you know, that when you get older, like me now. But I have this box of pills, and it has my pills on one side Monday through Sunday. My wife's on the top, and then my, my in-laws are here, and their box is thankfully way bigger than mine. They have a lot more pills than I do because they're slightly older than me, Right? But you know what I have? You know what? You got to have the pill every day. So it tells you, hey, you know what I noticed about the box? It's not Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday. You don't get to skip any days. I take blood pressure medicine. It's hereditary in my family. And so I take it every single day. So guess what? I have to open the pill box and take it every day. I'm dependent on it. I have to have it if I'm going to keep my blood pressure. you know why? I need it. And so I have that box. And the first thing I do when I come down in the morning is take it. It becomes a priority. You ever seen someone on crutches? I've broken my leg and my arm and a bunch of other stuff in my life, so I, I've understood what that means, and I know the weakness of breaking something, and you've been on, a, you've been on crutches, you, you, you are dependent on them because you can't sometimes get up the stairs or down the stairs, or you can't go from place to place, and even when you do, it's not very good. Why? Because you're broken, and you know what crutches? People who use crutches are broken. Somewhere, something went wrong, and crutches are a sign that you're dependent, that you need help. Wheelchairs, they do the same thing. You've been in a hospital. Some people have wheelchairs and they can do the wheels themselves. Some of them are motorized. But have you ever seen when people are really bad off, someone sits in, they sit in a wheelchair and someone has to push them. They can't even, not only are they sitting in a wheelchair, but they have to have someone do the wheelchair for them. You know why? They're dependent. They can't get out of the wheelchair on their own. Hospital beds I've been in the hospital bed when I had my appendix out and I was in the hospital and they were giving me morphine and I couldn't get out of bed because I just had surgery and I felt awful you know what I had to do to get up and do basic things like get a drink of water go to the bathroom I had to push this little button on the little thing next to your bed and they had to come in it was humiliating I I, I had to come in the nurse says what do you need I go I gotta go to the bathroom (laughs) okay let me help you out of bed I, I gotta have this woman help me I'm 40 some years old and I can't get to the bathroom on my own you know why? I was dependent on her. I'm in a hospital bed, and it, it showed it. Let me show you in, a, in a, a way maybe some of you will better understand. Like you are on your smartphone, right? When you get up, and you, you don't think you're dependent on it? You are, and you know you are. When you can't find it, what makes you more mad than that? They have, you're so dependent on it that now they have a mechanism on your phone that you can ring your own phone to know where you left it last. And if you can't find it, someone took it, you lost it, you dropped it, you cracked it, it's not working, the internet's not fast, and you know how dependent on it? You gotta get your texts and your emails and you gotta call someone, and you wake up in the morning, some people, it's the first thing they do is get out of bed. I've known people who told me they sleep with their phone. You're dependent on it. But let me ask you this. What would it look like if you were that dependent on God? What if your prayer life mirrored the way that you use your cell phone? What if it was the first thing you picked up as soon as you got out of bed? What if you just got in your, and you wanna check your emails and your texts? What if the first thing was you checked your words from God and you talked to him? What if he was on your calendar? What if you picked up the Bible all the time during the day? What if you got on your knees and prayed? See, what I call it is, and Jesus uses the analogy in our text, and I don't have time to develop it. For John 1, 15, 1 through 5 is the vine branch analogy. That's Jesus' illustration of dependence. The branches come out of the vine, and if you cut them off, they die, he says, because they're so dependent on it. If it loses the connection, it dies, and it's not worth anything. And the only thing you can do with a branch that cuts off from the vine is throw it in the fire. That's all it's worth. He says, but when you're connected And and the word he uses is remain and abide. If you abide and you remain, in other words, you stay connected. You are constantly dependent on the vine for nourishment and life and growth. If you're doing that, he says, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to grow. You're going to blossom. You're going to be all that you're supposed to be. But the moment that you cut yourself off of the vine, you are nothing, he says. So let me ask, let me answer very specifically John 15 what does it look like to be dependent? Here's what it looks like for a Christian. Jesus uses two words, and he changes them around. They're parallel, but they are two ways to say the same thing. Let me show you. John 15, in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, I circle, watch the prepositions. Because I call this, quote-unquote, I, independence. Remember we said dependence is the thing we need? I call this independence and I put quotes by the word I-N, independence, because when you are in Jesus, in Christ, that's true biblical dependence. Let me show you what I, how he says it. I'm going to start with verse one. I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser, every branch, circle it, in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear for, more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Watch. Abide in me, and I In you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit from apart from me. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, see what he's saying? You get it? That's in-dependence. In other words, I have to constantly be in Jesus, in Christ, in him. And watch, it's reflexive. Not only is he in me, I have to be in him. Now, how does that happen, and what does it look like? Give us the answer. Two phrases. Verse 7, if you abide in me, what would that look like? And my, see it? And my words abide in you. So here's the, how if Jesus' words are in you. Well, Pastor Walker, I know a lot of the Bible verses, and I have some of them even memorized. Nope, that's not it, although that's good. He tells us later on, if you wanna know what does it mean to abide in him, look what he says. Just look a little bit down the chapter. Look at verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, ready? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just like I keep my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So what does it mean? That his words are in you? You obey them. Can I tell you why, what a prayer life like Jesus looks like? You know why he could say, listen to this, I love this verse. He's standing outside of Lazarus' tomb, John 11, 41, and 42, and he looks up to the sky, and he's, it says he lifted up his eyes. And every time the phrase lift up your eyes in the Old Testament is used, Lot used it, Abraham, David, Moses, Jacob, Joshua. Whenever you lift up your eyes, and God tells you to, it's an incredible, momentous, momentous, historical event's gonna take place. Joshua was outside of Jericho. Moses was not going into the promised land. Lot looked over all the plains of the Jordan, and that was where he was going to go. Abraham said, God's going to give me all this land, the promised land. Whenever it happens, when you lift up your eyes, it is a huge historical biblical event. Jesus lifts up his eyes because he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And here's what he says. He says, Father, listen to this. I am glad that you always hear me. Always hear me. Let me ask you, does Jesus always hear you? Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59, 9. You know why we don't have our prayers answered? He says, it's not because God's ear is heavy that it cannot hear, or his arm shortened that it cannot save, but your sins have separated you from your God so that he will not hear let me ask you, do you always have God hear you when you pray? And the answer is no, when we are disobedient. Jesus says, you want to have the ability to say this? I, he always hears me. Let me put the only other time Jesus talks about his relationship with God in the term of always. Always you hear me. John 8, 29, the Father has never left me alone because I always do those things that are pleasing to him. You see the connection? I always hear, he always hears me because I always obey him. And that's the connection. My dependence on God, here's what it would look like. I'm so dependent on God that here's my life goal: to obey His word and everything. And then when I live on my own and think I can handle things on my own, then I end up disobeying God's word. And let me tell you this, then I cut myself off from the source and I end up doing nothing in my life, and He doesn't answer my prayer because I live my life in disobedience. That's vertically. One more. It's a parallel statement. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and, and here's the prayer connection, ask whatever you will, see? And it will be done for you. Now, we don't have time tonight. Study this on yourself. 1 John 5, 13 through 15. John, who wrote this, Jesus' disciples, he got the connection. And later, he wanted to have other people keep the connection. And he says this. He says, here's what you do. You keep Jesus' commandments, and you will be able to, and here's what he says, and you pray according to God's desire and you'll have anything you want. Does that sound familiar? The only thing that's switched is that he says you do what God wishes and the other one says you do what you wish. Which one is it? Well, the point is this. When you're dependent on God and you obey his word, here's what'll happen. Those two will sync up. What God wants you to do and what you want to do will be the same. And that's how he can say seemingly an outlandish Blank check statement. You'll get whatever you want. Well, good, I'm, I'm getting a car. and No, because when you're obeying God and he's in you and you're in him and you're in dependent on him, here's what he says about your prayer life. You'll start wanting what he wants and you'll start asking what he wants. Even, listen to this, even if it's to your own detriment and suffering, Jesus says in the garden, here's what I want you to do, Father. I wish you would do this. Remove this cup from me, but not as I will. Not as I want, but as you want. See how it changes your prayer life? Why? Because even in the garden before the cross, Jesus was connected to Father and dependent on how far would he obey, even if it cost him his life on Calvary. Now, see, if you, see, if you want Jesus' prayer life, you're going to have to live his daily life. And the answer to Christians to do something in prayer is to do nothing first. Do nothing, meaning dependence on God, always leads to do something in your prayer life. And if you have nothing, you're not doing something in your prayer life, it's because you are not doing enough of do nothing in your real life. You're not dependent enough on him. And so he says, abide in my words. And lastly, he says, same phrase. And then he says later on, read it for yourself. And abide in my love. Abide in his words. That's you and me vertically, abide in his love, you and me horizontally. So when you love God and obey his words, and what's the number one way you can obey his words? When you love other people the way he did. See how it works? That's the secret of Jesus' prayer life, is his complete, utter dependence on God. And here's what it looked like, that he would obey God no matter what it cost him because he loved God and he loved people. And that made the difference. And so he could say, you always hear me. I would pray like anything else, like I hope you will, that that's what you want in your life. I do. I want to be able to say, I always please you. Therefore, you always hear me. And, And if we had that in 2021, what a difference. We could do something because we do nothing, right? Let's pray. Father, help us. Teach us to be dependent, what it means to be spiritually on crutches, in a wheelchair, in a hospital bed. We're okay with being dependent on our phones, but we need to be dependent on our God. We need to be independent. Father, that's going to change our lives and Even more so, perhaps, our prayer lives, if we learn that lesson. Help us to do that the more so that you could get the glory and your people get the good. And we'll thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.